Hi, and welcome to Matt Holman Talks Mental Health, the podcast where I have the opportunity to sit down and chat with amazing humans about their journeys with mental health. For this episode, I'm so happy to introduce Danielle Bridge to the conversation. Welcome, Danielle. Hello, thank you very much for having me. Oh, you're more than welcome. Um, so as I always do, just a brief introduction, um, how Danielle and I know each other. And actually, we don't really know each other that well. We were introduced for you through a mutual connection, YKP, she'll know who she is. Um, and she put me in touch with Danielle, said, you have to talk to each other. Uh, it was a perfect opportunity to talk to somebody and record a podcast as well, of course. So this is going to be the first time I hear your story, your journey. So I'm going to throw it over to you, Danielle. It's lovely to see you. And I'll let you do your fine introduction to yourself. Let people know who you are. Awesome. Thank you so much. So my name is Danielle Bridge. I'm the chief exec of a company called ABC Life Support. I also chair the Cambridge Mental Health Network. So I deal quite a lot with mental health networking organisations that help other people with their own mental health as well. And I'm a mum, a wife, two beautiful children, lots and lots of friends. Yeah, just living, living my best life. Oh, brilliant. And lovely to hear that as well. And uh, welcome to the conversation. So as I always do, just one big question and we'll see where we go with this. Um, so your journey, your story with mental health, I'll let you define it. I'll let you tell us a bit of a story. So tell us what you want to. So, yeah, I love this question. And I. OK, that's quite interesting. So I run a physical first aid training company and I have done for the past 11 years now. And one of my directors at a moment in time, about 2014. Her name's Sarah Hughes. She's the chief executive of the Centre for Mental Health. And at the time, she was the chief executive of MIND, or the local MIND up here. And she said to me, Danielle, you really should go on this mental health first aid training. And at the time, I was a bit like, oh, okay, fine, sure, why not? I'll go along. And I also did the assist training as well, oh, yeah. which is the applied suicide intervention skills training. And I loved it. And I realised that Gosh, my whole life had been in and around mental health. So I have a family member who has a diagnosis of a serious mental illness and I grew up in that environment, right? So I realized that all of these things that we were talking about were very poignant to my life as, a, as an adult, but not really realizing that it was kind of a separate thing, you know, that people kind of understood and learned about. And I remember loving it, walking away from it, not thinking anything of it until one day <laughs> I went onto a first aid forum online. Okay. And if, if anybody's listening to this that's a physical first aid trainer, they'll know exactly which forum I'm talking about. So I went onto this forum online and somebody had written, has anyone heard of the new kid on the block? It's called Mental Health First Aid. And obviously my interest peaked. And okay. so I continued reading. But what this person had written was also, I'm not sure what it is, but is it where you teach first aid to mental people? Oh, wow. Yeah, absolutely. And I just, I was gobsmacked. I, you know, it was one of those moments, like those cartoon moments when my jaw hits the floor. Yes. And I'm like, what? How do people think that that, first of all, that language is okay. And second of all, what you know I was just yeah. seriously like I just couldn't believe it so anyway I kind of read through this thread and what had happened was since the farmer and Stevenson report that came out in 2017 bought into the general you know knowledge area if you like of first aid at work bring it into par with the first aid at work people had started to hear about this program but they started to try and put it towards their business, you know, opportunities. So, okay, so I'm a first aid instructor. 
there's this new thing called mental health first aid. Maybe we can teach that. And it was this kind of whole area about adding to somebody's repertoire that they deliver this physical first aid training to mental people. And then obviously everybody then went and started to do more in, introductions into what it is. And I realized then that, first of all, I was already a mental health first aider without ever into putting anything of that knowledge into practice. You know, if I'm honest, I, I went on the course in 2014, left with a certificate, left empowered, left really interested, yep. but never did anything about it. Then I went onto this forum, realized that this is a new opportunity for physical first aid training instructors to be able to add to the repertoire. I made a decision at that point that if anybody was best placed to do it as a first aid training company, it would be mine. Right. Because of my knowledge of the subject matter and the fact that I didn't want to do it to make money, <laughs> it was yeah. about empowering people. Now, rewind maybe four years before that, my organization became a community interest company. And off at the back of that, the whole vision and mission for my business is to make training accessible to everybody. And in the beginning, it was life saving skills, first aid training accessible to everyone. Now, the interesting reason behind that was because back in my youth, living with my parents, we had a very, very difficult childhood, a very difficult family life. And as a result, unfortunately, we ended up living in a women's refuge, okay. um, experiencing extreme domestic violence. And at that time, I remember lots of parents, well, mums and children living in this house that I lived in. When I started working for St John Ambulance as a trainer, I remember thinking to my head, man, why do parents not get first aid training, right? Why do parents not get first aid training? Yeah. And off of the back of that, when I was old enough and experienced enough by working on my own business uh, when my first child was born, and the aim was to try and reach people who were difficult to reach. And I think the reason behind that want or that drive for me was thinking back to my mum who was living in that refuge many years prior, never having access to life-saving skills because to be frank, we didn't know where our next meal was coming from, let alone accessing a first day training course because your kid's choking or something like that. And I, that stayed with me and it stayed with me for a long time. And I decided as a business, I wanted to try and reach those people, those people that were, that were just as deserving as anybody else that had the money and the finances to access this training, but didn't have the inclination or the mindset at that moment for whatever reason to access it. So that's why my business was founded as a CIC. Yeah. So fast forward back to this, this course, when I decided to add this training to my repertoire, it was because I really, really, really wanted people to have access to mental health, psychoeducation, if you like, that would help them navigate their own lives and to help them help other people navigate their own lives in, in terms of their mental health journey, right? And throughout this whole process, I've realized, as you know, and the people that are listening to this, everybody has mental health, everyone. But what they don't have access to is the knowledge that will help them understand that they are and can be empowered to help people, either for themselves or for the people that are close to them that they know and love. And that's why I do what I do. It's only in my later life that I realized that mental ill health has affected my entire upbringing, you know, in terms of my, 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 my father's diagnosis and, you know, the, the fallout 
out of the back of that. And it's not really a story I tell everybody, right? It's not why I do what I do primarily, but it is certainly given me an experience of what it would be like or what it has been like to live with the legacy of living with serious mental illness in your home. And using that experience, I'm able to explain to people, first of all, that there is light at the end of the tunnel. Second of all, um, there is education around that where if you're empowered to, to understand what the processes are, it can help you as a family, it can help you as an individual, it can help you as a business owner to work out your place in that person's journey to be able to make a difference. So mental health is with all of us. Mental mental illness doesn't affect all of us. And I think if we can try and navigate those waters in, a, in this lay terms that people yeah. can, can understand, it would make those conversations a little bit easier, right? Yeah, I find it fascinating listening to you and thank you for sharing what you've shared as well there and, and talking about your, your, you know, your personal perspective from your family and things like that. So so just genuinely thank you for that. And it's interesting, isn't it? You, you made it you made a point there and I maybe maybe I'm going to challenge it even, you know, just because I think that's what we have to do. We have to have this healthy debate around these conversations, don't we? Because mm. otherwise we just sort of take it verbatim. I think mental health does affect all of us even, you know, it's a mental illness, sorry, affects all of us because it might not be us personally that's struggling, but, you know, from your perspective, if you you haven't experienced that element but you've supported or been around that element so you've seen mm, it do you know what I mean and I and I and I, and I wonder how many people would be able to recognize that point because I think yeah. that's the challenge like the blink no, that, of view isn't it yeah no that is interesting and actually I'm going to challenge back on mm, that one do. I have I have a diagnosis myself I, okay I, yeah I've, I've had a diagnosis of um illness and, and health anxiety and I've had that for a number of years over about 20 years but it's not something I necessarily talk about um in order to kind of what's the word validate my mm. my knowledge if you like because I do think it's important to share your experiences yeah. and when people hear that from me they're like what I never knew that you yeah. lived with that because it starts to break down barriers about what mental illness looks like mm. and how it affects people um, and the fact that I have entered into therapy, the fact that I have had CBT before, the fact that I have, you know, gone down the IAPT route myself and okay. I'm able to share that experience with people. Mm. So, yeah, you are right. But maybe mental illness does affect everybody, primarily not necessarily, yeah. but by living with somebody or witnessing it, yeah. they, they have. And also then I suppose the conversation comes around diagnosis or not then right yep. and then that's a whole different yeah. ball game as to whether or not someone's yeah. <laughs> received a diagnosis or not so yeah it's it's interesting and I think if people can continue to have these conversations from their own frame of reference and the reason I challenged you on that is because yeah. without speaking about it doesn't necessarily mean that somebody hasn't had it I love that I love it that you've unlocked that you've you've yeah right and it, it's this this is what I love is is just having the open conversations about mental health without the fear that it's like it feels normal for me I don't know about you if you feel normal with these conversations but but that's what this is trying to promote it's that normality around look it's okay to say it and if you don't want to say it you can you don't have to and if you do open up and share it enlightens people a little bit more doesn't it? I'm inspired when people tell me more than anything else I don't I don't you know, when I talk about my own mental health, I don't feel ashamed talking about it. I just say, look, it is what it is. I can't change, you know, I can make a change and adjust things, but I can't change what's happened in the past. I can only mm. look forward to the future and, and you know, be present today. So, um, yeah, it's really interesting. So so some of those anxieties, I, I, is it okay if we just delve a little bit into those? Are you okay with talking about Yeah, yeah, sure. So, so for people listening, you know, so, so can you define sort of moments when that would have been more 
prevalent in sort of some of your feelings? The pandemic. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. Yeah. 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 So right. for Why me, would that be? <laughs> yeah, right. So but for me, I've had issues around kind of health anxiety for a number of years. And if you look at the reasons why people will often have these sort of situations, yeah. sometimes they can be pinpointed, sometimes they can't. For me, uh, my mum had a, a serious uh, a heart issue years and years and years ago. And off the back of that, I then became very ultra paranoid about her, ultra paranoid about myself, ultra paranoid around health and, and illness. And it's managed, it was well managed for a number of years. But then... Um, the pandemic kind of totally threw that off for me, totally and utterly threw it off. And I found myself in a situation without my support network, without my coping mechanisms that were ordinarily about other people and my whole life existing kind of with freedom. And when you take that freedom away and you're then into a sort of situation that everybody finds themselves in during this global pandemic, for me personally, it went against my very nature. <laughs> and as a result of that, I didn't have those things that, you know, that were there for me before. And so things started to manifest themselves for me again around not wanting to go out, not wanting to be around people, yep. becoming paranoid about every cough and splutter. And I will know that for people listening to this, that in itself may be ordinary, may be an exact response to the pandemic specifically around that. But for me, and for a lot of other people that have got history around this, that will become a trigger. And when we're talking about triggers in mental health, you, you know, we talk about something that might make you feel a certain way. And for me, the pandemic was an absolute catalyst for me to become in my own head. And off of the back of that, you know, behaviours that were uncomfortable for me, checking, making, making sure that I wasn't unwell and all sorts of stuff which then prompted me to go and get help. And I'm telling you what, it was absolutely amazing. Okay. My therapy was awesome. And I love that I've got a big fat grin on my face because he was just, my therapist was just amazing. And it was the first therapist, Ooh. excuse me, that they gave me. And he was just awesome, absolutely awesome. And what was quite fascinating is as a mental health uh, educator, as a psycho educator, yeah. I was fully aware of the majority of the models that he used in his train, in his therapy. I was fully aware of the behind them. And so he used to say things like, oh, I'm not teaching you to suck eggs, am I? Or have you heard about this model? And I'm like, yeah, no, I know it, but yeah. do it anyway. You know, exactly, just, because, yeah. just because I talk yeah. and know about this stuff doesn't mean that you know, I don't need to go through the process myself. So we went through the whole process and I was a textbook case. I went from being in real difficult difficulty yeah. to coming out and smiling and going, do you know what? I'm really gutted that this is finished actually, because I've really enjoyed this time and yeah. I've really enjoyed going through the process and becoming well again and putting into, into place these things that have really helped me. But it was doing the work. Yeah. Yeah, it was doing the work. It's it, it's incredible. I love I love listening to your sort of your your positive perspective of it, which is fantastic. And that's what we want people to understand is, you know, people put sort of the dark shield over and or you know the shroud over it, and we don't want to talk about therapy. We don't want to talk about having to go and use some of these models because it's almost like that feeling of I'm failing if I need to go to that. But but it's so important, isn't it? To sort of, mm. and, and you're right. I I train and talk about CBT and DLT and everybody else and every other T that's out there. And and it's you know it really is uh, an important one to say. I'm not I'm not an expert. I just I'm a human being first. And sometimes having somebody on the other side sitting there talking to us and helping us is what we need too, isn't it? 
Mm. So I'm fascinated by your journey there. And, and, thank, and, and again, just thank you for sharing that because it's such a, a wonderful thing to hear, sort of reality check of how was, so how was things at home? Because obviously you have children and your husband and, and, and that environment. So during that time when you're feeling those higher levels of anxiety, how were things for you? You know what, I think the thing about kind of mental health and mental ill health specifically, should I say, is that, and also if you've had it for so long, which I have, you learn very easily what you can cope with and what you, can, what you can't cope with. And those external um, pointers, if you like, might manifest themselves as being a little bit more sad, or it might be that you're a little yeah. bit more irritated. But I am so blessed to have the most amazing family. I have two beautiful children and a supportive hot husband, as I call it, <laughs> he's listening. Yeah, well, <laughs> and, <laughs> and they, I love my life. I love my family. Yeah. My mum lives next door as well, Matt. And it's funny, my mum's a mental health social worker, right? So yeah. most people feel as if I'm very blessed and I am. Um, she lives next door and we're very close. Yeah. Um, so I had everything I needed at home. I have all of the support that I needed at home. And my yeah. home is a happy and positive place. But even externally when your home is happy and supportive sometimes what's going on in your head isn't and that's why I think sometimes people can equate what your home life is like versus what's going on in someone's head do you yeah. know does that make sense it's like yeah, it well does. they've got everything they need or they've got everything they want Too and easy. you know their life is fantastic you know what have they got to feel sad about or anxious about or you know all of these things when actually what we have to realize is that whatever's going on externally to somebody in someone's life doesn't necessarily make any difference to what's going on internally no no really you know yeah so, so yeah we yeah really su super supportive family and i'm very open as you could probably imagine in our house we talk yeah. a lot about emotions and feelings and and treatment and my children know that i have therapy every monday okay and my husband did and we talk about it very openly yeah. because for them to be able to take it seriously and to also understand how accessible that is I have to lead by example yeah. and so those conversations around mental health in our family are are rife <laughs> very 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 open do you you know this is a question because I've got children and, and you know I start talking about uh, mental health with my teenager it's like oh stop talking about this <laughs> right are they, are they are they receptive to the conversation yes and the reason they're yeah. receptive is because they're quite young okay so i have an 11 and a 13 year old okay so they're, they're quite young but they're also really positive about it and they're okay. very empowered by the conversations we Amazing. have so my son for example made me very proud the other day he was is on a group chat and one of his friends had written something's a psycho or something like that so my boy like literally went on the internet screenshotted what the definition of psychopath was yeah put so, it into the chat and said look guys i just don't think we should be using words like that and he said mom that's right isn't it? and i was just so proud of him oh i was like God. and he did that of his own you know yeah. volition he didn't it wasn't driven by me and when he hears like words that make him feel uncomfortable like crazy or mad or you know not all the time but he'll kind of go mm, I don't really so yeah I feel really That's amazing I know right he's so cool so yeah he's a, he's a cool kid uh, oh, our daughter yeah she's she's just she's just as good Excellent. Well, that, I, I love that. I think that's so fascinating the way that they sort of they, they interpret the information, but they they also call it out when they're not happy with it. And I think that's such an important and valuable you know, trait that we can we can engage with our young people to do, isn't it? It doesn't feel right. It probably isn't right. And if it's a word, 
you know, and it, it depends context. Context is always going to be critical in all yeah. the conversations, yeah. but that's brilliant. And and you just remind me of the graffiti wall exercise that we talk about in mental health. I know, yes. I love, I love that <laughs> exercise. And for anybody that's listening yeah. that doesn't know what it is, sign up to a mental health first aid training course with Danielle or myself or anybody, you know. Um, but the graffiti yeah. exercise is just incredible, isn't it? When you start to realise and visualise the difference between the good stuff, the acceptable words, and it's hard, that's hard. Yes. With the bad stuff, the unacceptable, which is the easiest ones that we go to, right? Yeah. Naming people, shaming people and labelling people with uneducated perspective, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And it's funny because we talked the other day, my, my, my children are into Disney still, which is lovely. We all love okay. Disney. Yep. Film. But recently they've started to put up on the front of the beginning of the film that they take into consideration and understand that when these films were made society was not quite as progressive as it is now so they take note of the way in which some of those stories are told and I thought that was amazing because I don't know about you but I often use the example of Belle in Beauty and the Beast when her father Gaston, sorry if there's any spoilers who if you have not seen Beauty and the Beast, um, when, her, when her dad is taken and detained under the Mental Health Act, what we would classify that as being now, people might know that as being sectioned or detained, but, yeah. um, and it's really scary if you watch, yeah. if you watch that, the way in which it's, it's kind of mm. shown is really dark and really intense and it's not it's not um, empowering, it's frightening. And yeah. our children are watching that. Mm -hmm. And their first kind of experience of mental ill health or mental illness in a film, in a TV show, in a, you know, in a film, is one of fear and mm -hmm. one of difficulty and one of darkness yeah. and one of using you know, mental health and weaponizing mental ill health, mm. where he gets put in the back of a, of, of this, you know, truck or this, this carriage, sorry, in a, yeah. in a straight jacket, you know, Matt. So this is what, I, and so I stop and we have these chats and I say, what do you think that looks like? You know, because when you're growing up, if I wasn't doing that work with my own children, what would their thoughts and processes be around when somebody is labeled as being mad or crazy? What does that look like? And actually, that's what we're feeding our children inadvertently. And I'm not, you know, I, I think there is a lot to be said for watching these things and having conversations around them. Yeah. But but we've got to kind of do those little bits of work just every time we see them, just like, you know, chipping that's away yeah. to allow it to be more accessible, right? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I didn't realise that Disney had done that. So so kudos and credit to them for, for calling that out. And obviously, you know, recognising some of those sort of those undertones that were slightly different. They've changed the distortion of the view of the world. And but and I think back to when I was younger and, you know, I'm much older than you, of course, Danielle. Um, but, you know, when, <laughs> when, when we were back in the day and, you know, the, the, the reality of mental health was totally different to where we are now. You know, mental illness was all about the straight jackets and people mm -hmm. being locked away in asylums and yeah. the darkness of it and every movie that you saw that you thought was about mental health one flew over the cuckoo nest and yeah. psycho although psycho wasn't really in that perspective but people thought it was all about this is Absolutely. a crazy you know madman who's going around killing people in showers and stuff and and, and it was so distorted wasn't it it was so mm. distorted but we're still in that you know I still I don't know about you but even in my training now when we're talking about accessing support and you know going down the mental health route when people go to doctors or gps and they're talking about things that are affecting their mental health and then somebody says you know maybe we should put you to the men you know refer you to the mental health team and people are fearful they say no, no no i don't want to it's fine i'll sort something out i don't want to go down that route yeah because they're petrified of something that's been built up in their mind or their imagination by the things yeah. 
that are being subconsciously fed to us in our everyday lives. Yep. Yep. So although I don't want to change those programs, you know, Beauty and the Beast is a classic, keep it as it is, <laughs> yeah. but still- Try a light have... on it. <laughs> a bit of sun yes. on it rather than yes. a really dark. <laughs> well, exactly, you know, make it all pretty and, and you yeah. know, somebody holding his hand rather yeah. than, you know, putting him in a straitjacket. But yeah. it is, it's about challenging those things because unless of we start so. to have those conversations, nothing's going to change in my mind. No, and at the age of our children, they, it's, it's an age where we should be educating them more around these subjects, definitely. And you're obviously doing an amazing job with your children. So, so well, done. keep up that amazing work with them that they're calling things out. But, but that's the challenge society, though, is that, mm. you know, it, it comes back to that point that you said very much at the beginning around first aid for parents. It doesn't exist. But, but I always think about when we were antenatal class for our children, for our babies, you know, and, and, and all we were really taught was how to, you know, change the nappy. Well, that's what I remember. <laughs> Changing nappies, which was pretty horrendous. Um, and and you know, a few of those sort of softer, more cuddly things around it. We never got taught about when they're older, they might struggle with their mental health and yeah. how to how to help them to transition through those journeys. And actually, the biggest changes of our life tend to happen when we're children, right? So mm. from one point to the next, growing up, learning, education, we're influenced by systems. We we change at 15 16 years old we have to go to college and then learn to you know and all the other associated challenges that and that's why my daughter struggled at that point you know it was all those changes that were going on around and, and she wasn't prepared for them and neither yeah. were we because we'd never had an education on how to prepare ourselves for it and she definitely never had an education that helped her so it's fascinating honestly yeah. um Wow, there we go. Um, so, so we've got a few more minutes left, and I, I am so engaged in this conversation. I love it. I think you're just an amazing person, Danielle. So please don't oh, thank change you. That. Um, so, uh, where should we go? Just a few more minutes. Uh, plans? What do you want to do? What's your ambition? You know what? I think if I'm if I'm a hundred percent honest, I, in terms of what it is I want to do around the work that I currently do, is around educating every lay person you know doesn't necessarily have to be within a workplace it doesn't necessarily have to be within a corporate organization from well-being at work you know we, we do do that but yeah. my passion is for empowering communities to be yeah. able to help from the community perspective and for example you know people and I don't know about what, what your um, Facebook group is like where you where you live but in our Facebook group here we have an awful lot of people reaching out for mental health support because they don't know where to go. And then you get this information that is often wrong or often biased or often negative because of their own lived experience. Yep. And it all goes back to this place where these people are desperate and they, but they don't know what the processes are look like, right? So I would love to be able to empower communities or help empower communities to be able to understand the process around accessing support for our mental health and understanding that there is a lot that we can do on the on the front line there is a lot that we can do on the ground we can empower we can encourage we can do all of those e's on our final uh <laughs> yeah don't uh, tell them what it is yeah yeah exactly our final e but you know yeah. do you know what i mean we can yeah. do all of those things we yeah. can make sure that we can empower individuals to make a difference and yeah. that's where my my passion lies so more people more um, education more courses yeah. more training more conversations right yeah you know and, and and that's what this is for as well you know it's another element of those conversations so it's us having the ability to sort of share some of these thoughts share these stories and I'm sure for people that are listening if you're interested in any of those conversations if you want to know more about training or 
just getting out there and being more part of the community then you know we're both here and you know very accessible of course Danielle you can I'm sure you'll be more than happy if anybody wants to reach out and contact you about anything you're doing right yes absolutely yeah. so we are quite active on all social media I'm quite Brilliant. active on LinkedIn so yeah drop us a line see what we can Brilliant. do let's have a conversation Oh, lovely. Well, that's all all great. Um, so I'll drop your contact details as well into the post for this. But as I always do, just the last few thoughts from you. Any wisdom word, words of wisdom, um, any snippets of life that you want to share, any sort of mottos or anything you want to share? Just the final thoughts from you, Danielle. Well, OK, so I'm going to get a tattoo. I know this is a bit weird, but it's a bit random. I'm okay. getting a tattoo that says it's it is what it is. Oh, Oh, I've heard that many times. Okay. Yeah, I know, right? But what do we actually think around that? It is what it is. And some people say to me, Danielle, when you say that, it sounds a bit frivolous. And I say, oh, I appreciate that. That's your, you know, your opinion. But let's think about it. Sometimes things happen in our lives, which we would do anything to change, but we can't. And we need to understand that sometimes it is what it is. What can we yeah. do around that? What can we do to make ourselves feel better? What can we do to change what we can? And if we can really hone in on that one sentence and that one, it's, it's a really empowering statement. It doesn't have to be frivolous. Yeah. It's empowering, right? It is what it is. So there you go. And I'll send you a photo of my tattoo once I get it done. So it's out there now. I've said hey. I'm going to get it. So I'm going to get it. <laughs> I love it. I'll tell you what, it is what it is. But I was a bit disappointed because I was hoping you were going to get I'm going to get the MH2 logo. <laughs> I thought that was where we were going. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. my days, we're going to get the first ever. Uh, anyway, go and get the is what it is for now. That will do for now. That will do for now. Um, uh, no, I love that. And I think you're so right. I think, you know, as I always sort of say to people, you know, we can't change what's happened in the past. We can learn mm -hmm. to understand it and we can try to understand it and, and use it as an experience. And as an education, it is life, mm -hmm. life's a journey of education, right? Moments of clarity or you know maybe we get challenged sometimes too but it is what it is it's really interesting I, I remember I smile when you said it because it reminds me of a boss of mine I used to have and she used to say it all the time so when yeah. things were going wrong you'd be like well it is what it is right and it's a, it's can't a escape it. great perspective so if she's listening to this she'll know exactly who she is I'm not going <laughs> to don't want to name drop too too many people um listen Danielle it's been amazing I really have enjoyed listening to you talking about your journey your story thank you so much for sharing what you've shared oh, as well thank you for anybody that is listening if there is anything that worried you in there or you want to know more or you'd like to reach out and have a conversation Danielle is more than welcome to receive your com uh, conversations or your comments queries questions uh similarly if you want to reach out to me feel free if you want to be on the podcast let me know because I love humans who want to talk about their journeys because it's just amazing to listen to uh, but if you are struggling, there are organisations out there today that are there to support you. You're not on your own. Please know you're not on your own. If you're listening to this and you're feeling worried or concerned about things in your life, please know there are places that you can reach out to safely to talk to. Samaritans exist today exactly for that purpose. 116123. You can text to shout 85258. Or there are many other organizations but just remember you are not alone. Please know that we all do actually genuinely care about you too. So we're done, Danielle. It's the end. Thank you so much for your time. I love talking to you. So it's been fantastic. And I will catch up with you soon. Thank you.